On this episode of Leadership Lessons in Health System Pharmacy, you will hear from Laura Deirda, Editor-in-Chief at Becker's Healthcare, as we discuss using events and news organizations as a part of a pharmacy enterprise strategy. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Leadership Lessons in Health System Pharmacy. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Weber, Chief Pharmacy Officer and Administrator of Pharmacy Services at The Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center. Powered by The Ohio State University Lachalet Leadership Program, this show is designed to keep current and aspiring health system pharmacy leaders up to date with issues, trends, and best practices affecting our profession. You can learn more about the Lashley Leadership Program and The Ohio State University's College of Pharmacy MS in Health System Pharmacy Administration and Leadership by visiting go.osu.edu forward slash pharmacy leadership. That's go.osu.edu forward slash pharmacy leadership. Laura Deirda is an editor-in-chief of Becker's Healthcare and co-host of the Becker's Healthcare podcast. She joined Becker's Healthcare in 2010 and has led the growth of several legacy and emerging lines within the company. Per the website, Becker's Healthcare is a resource and healthcare decision makers platform for the fast growing healthcare industry. Through print, digital and live event platforms, Becker's Healthcare equips healthcare leaders with the information and forums they need to learn, exchange ideas, and further conversations about the most critical issues in American healthcare. Okay, let's jump into our interview with Laura. Laura, welcome to the show. Dr. Weber, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to speak with you today. Oh, it's really a pleasure to have you have you on the show. You know, all of us as leaders get the get the Becker's healthcare email, and obviously during COVID nineteen, that was a really important email for us because it, there was lots of great information that really helped us. Uh, to best deal and take care of our patients. But, you know, your career journey, you started at Becker's in 2010. So so before we talk a little bit about Becker's and what it is, how did how did you get the Becker's uh, in your in your in your career journey? Absolutely. So I was very fortunate um, in 2010, you know, there weren't a lot of job opportunities for people coming right out of school. But Luckily for me, I you know found this this job listing for a, a job at Becker's. And at school, I had studied creative writing and journalism. I was part of the school newspaper and had some journalism internships. And so, seeing a job listing for an entry level writer reporter was really exciting for me. Um, and I had the opportunity to apply, and then was accepted into a role of a beginning writer reporter. And I initially focused on the physician facing lines and had the opportunity to write about news and um, articles for physicians. And then um, really, you know, climbed the ladder within the company quickly, became an editor in chief in about 2012 or so of two of our lines, our Becker's ASC review and Becker's spine review. And continued to grow the lines from there. I had a few writers join the team and got the opportunity to train them and, um, you know, continue to work with them. And these are positions I still hold today. Um, you know, over the years, I not only got to work on the editorial side of things, but I've also been pretty involved in our 
live events that we hold. Um, right now we have six per year. When I started, we had three. And so the growth of those has been really interesting to see. Um, and then I've also had the opportunity to work pretty heavily on our health IT line um, and some other, you know, executive interviews on the hospital side. And then more recently, I began co-hosting the Becker's Healthcare podcast with Scott Becker. So those have been some really, you know, great opportunities for me. And I think just, you know, being able to be with Becker's from the beginning of my career in the past 10 years has really allowed me to become um, familiar with not only the field and the content and the editorial side of things, but also you know, looking into business. I, I never studied business in school, but that's just been a really fun aspect of, you know, starting with a company, a small company and helping to build it grow up. So um, that's been really fun for me. That's cool. That's really neat. The, so a journalist by training, meaning a journalism major and a communication like writing major, is that where, what, what, what you studied? And, and, and where did you do your, your, your work? Where did you do your studying? Absolutely. So I graduated from Knox College, which is a smaller school, liberal arts school in Galesburg, Illinois. At the time I went there, it was about 1,350 people. And that was the largest it had ever been. And, and <laughs> students were arguing it was quite possibly too large at the time just for the current oh, wow. capacity. So um, mm -hmm. it was really a small school, but an opportunity to do a lot, um, you know, get become a part of the community, um, become a really integral part of the school newspaper and uh, internship at the city newspaper um, where I was writing front page stories from the beginning. So, you know, it, it, well, the small schools definitely have their drawbacks. There's also just a ton of opportunity going on there um, to, to really grow and cut your chops on things when you're still pretty green in the end. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're able to get involved in some things that at a larger school, you wouldn't really be able to be involved in. It's sort of similar to a residency program and I did my residency at a, at a smaller hospital in Columbus, Grant Medical Center, Ohio Health, and, and really being one of one resident per year, it, would, it just provided me with more opportunity to, to do different things. So I can certainly, I can certainly, um, you know, relate to that as well. So, so you've worked at Becker since 2010. So tell us a little bit about Becker's Healthcare and and sort of how it started and sort of what's the what's the purpose of the company now and how, how is it just sort of tell us about it to just inform our listeners. Scott Becker started the company in the early 1990s. Uh, Scott is a lawyer who had a healthcare practice and focusing specifically on ambulatory surgery centers. And so the company really came out of the idea that he wanted to share more information with some of his clients and people that he was working with. So he developed just a small newsletter for the ASC audience and it wrote all the content himself basically um, and was able to send that out a few times per year just to connect them and you know eventually began having small events um, to bring the industry together to bring in you know some of the companies he was working with and clients that he had and people from the ASC industry and then you know really the, the company got um, serious about growth and development around 2008 2010 um, beginning our hospital line as well as a spine surgeon focus line spine and orthopedics and so out of those three lines you know the company grew um, hired on people to manage our events in-house manage sales in-house um, you know, whereas before those things had been more outsourced and then hiring writers as well, a team of writers that was really ambitious and people who were um, interested in helping to grow and develop the company. So 
you know, and that was about the time that I started as well. So like I mentioned, you know, at the time we were probably a team of under 20 people and now we have 50 plus team members. Um, so that's, you know, been a really exciting growth to see, but basically having a business model where, you know, we were really serious and focusing on delivering great news and information to our readership who are primarily healthcare executives, physicians, and other people in the industry, as well as taking care of the clients that, you know, that we have that support us. Um, our, our digital model has always been um, content that makes a difference. And so, you know, we've never had a paywall or anything like that for our readers. Um, our, our events are very success are accessible for people yeah. in the industry. Yeah. So yes, we have noticed that. Yeah. 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 Now the, this past year with transitioning to virtual events, those are all open as well um, to sign up for. So, you know, we, we really take great pride in being able to connect people in the industry and then providing value to our clients as well and helping them. Yeah, and I think one of the questions I, I asked you when we did the, the podcast recently was, well, how do you get the information? I mean, obviously, you talked about the writers being ambitious, which they, they seem to be because the information you guys are able to get is just amazing. And it's it's very timely. It's not like it's a information from a week ago. It's information from several days you know, prior to us getting the email. So how, how do you get your information for us? For our writers and reporters, the morning is a really critical time because that's typically when press releases are coming out, when news stories are coming out from either large sources such as New York Times, Washington mm -hmm. Post, um, you know, some of the Washington, D.C. things are coming out of there, as well as local newspapers about hospitals and health systems and physician practices in their area. So what we typically do is... Sometimes it comes through press releases that are emailed to us, but to a large extent, we're just searching Google News um, and what's kind of the most recent things that have been posted there to make sure that all of our writers and reporters are having the most updated information available for um, for our readership. And, you know, we work hard to make sure it's up in a timely fashion. Um, sometimes we do have executives that'll give us a heads up to say, hey, our hospital health system is going to be making a certain announcement. And so be ready for that. And that's always exciting when we're able to do that. But another times, you know, really, we're looking at new rule updates, things coming out of Washington, D.C., new legislation, updates from CMS, and making sure that those are pared down for our readership and um, packaged in the right way so it makes sense for each of our different audience lines and then putting that together and setting down our newsletters. So it's a really busy time for us in the morning. And then in the afternoon, obviously, the news cycle never stops. And so we keep looking for news all day. But mm -hmm. then we're also able to take the time to um, in the afternoons to continue developing relationships with healthcare leaders, doing interviews, doing our own enterprise reporting pieces. So we're not just a, a source that aggregates news from everywhere else, but we're also a source that develops our own original content um, and really takes pride in being able to share that. Yeah, I mean, it's extremely helpful. And um, so, so then COVID obviously has been a perfect example of the timeliness of information, particularly some of the issues around the effectiveness of various medications, uh, sort of the transmissibility of, COVID, of, you know, obviously of the coronavirus and, th and those things. It was very helpful to my organization uh, to, to really be validated uh, with that information. And so how did you all sort of keep up with COVID? I mean, I'm assuming, assuming that was a busy time for your reporters as well. 
Absolutely. Extremely stressful, as I'm sure it was for pretty much anybody in the working field, but right, and especially right. in healthcare. Um, and, and for our own part in things, you know, obviously, like everybody else, we were transitioning to work from home. So trying to figure out how to best communicate, best do our work, and then stay on top of some of this news, you know, a lot of times that was needed to be provided and given out to leaders as quickly as possible, which could potentially, you know, make a big difference in some of their workflow processes and help them serve patients better and their communities better. So we really did feel the importance of what was going on. I think our team of um, writers and reporters are just very, very open and, uh, you know, understanding of what important, uh, how important their job is. And so, you know, they were just very focused. Um, it took a lot of energy. I, I don't want to take away necessarily from what healthcare providers were going through because it's, oh, no, you know, sure. that on um, many levels above what we were doing, but just to, to stay on top of the news, to be constantly looking at things, to be multitasking, to make sure that we've got the updated information when things are constantly being updated. I know some of my team members as well as myself would be, you know, listening to broadcasts from um, whether it was Donald Trump's COVID team or some of the other governors who were doing regular updates um, on TV. We'd be reading things, um, constantly looking at, you know, what other news sources were putting out as well as what local news was doing. So it was definitely a very busy time for us. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I think I'm really proud of our team for how we tackled everything and troubleshot, you know, the the different challenges that were happening. And I would also say, too, we were able to be in great contact with a lot of the executives from um, leading hospitals and health systems. And that really helped us stay in the pulse of what was important and kept our minds focused because they would always give us some great insight into what was going on within their board meetings and how they were looking at the problems. Um, but at the same time, you know, constantly reminding us we're relying on you. And so uh, oh, yeah. that, that gave us motivation to keep going. Yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, you know, I, I would, you know, you said you said your work was not as important. But honestly, you know, we're obviously we're all kind of a team here, right, in the sort of global sense around the pandemic. And I got to tell you, some of the information that you uh, folks publish uh, about adverse reactions and management of adverse reactions of the vaccine, for example, was some of the first time we saw that data, and and it was uh, I mean we keep up to the up to date on things pretty pretty well here at Ohio State, but I mean I used uh, a lot of what came across that report within our own institution. So you guys have made a significant uh, significant a positive benefit on the treatment and management of vaccine in particular, also the pandemic in general. So kind of brings us to the pharmacy report. What was the, how, how long has the pharmacy report been published? And, uh, you know, what was the genesis of that? What was the reason why uh, Becker's uh, generated a pharmacy report? The pharmacy report was officially launched in October of 2018. And typically we will launch new lines because we see on the readership side of things, we see digital content um, becoming more popular in those areas. We have a readership that we're building and it really seems like an area that has a lot of potential for growth. Um, and secondly, you know, we take a look at where our companies and clients really see they want to be playing in which lines within the industry. And so when those two things align, we're able to start new um, lines within the company. So um, in October 2018, we started the Pharmacy E and then developed that into a channel on our website in June 2019. And then we quickly also added pharmacy to uh, one of our large 
um, in-person events or clinical leadership plus health IT event became clinical leadership, health IT, and pharmacy. Um, as we just saw, you know, uh, an exploding interest in being in front of pharmacy leaders and some of the big challenges that, you know, they face as well as on the um, hospital and health system executive side, seeing that those pharmacy issues were some of the big things that the executives overall were thinking about as well and, and really, you know, needed more information around. So we saw that as a big opportunity for us and, um, you know, saw that to great success prior to the pandemic. And it was still part of our um, clinical leadership, health IT uh, and pharmacy virtual event, which we transitioned last year. And we also had a um, pharmacy virtual event in September that was just focused on top priorities for pharma leaders and some of the you know, future pharma, where it's going and where it's headed um, in in last September. So, you know, I, I think it's still a line that is really important for us. And we're definitely see a lot of interest, obviously, as you mentioned, with COVID-19, um, bringing some of those things front and center, we see that as being a big part of where we're headed going forward. Yeah. And I think, you know, obviously, especially pharmacy, you've had multiple um, things that you've Put out on the specialty pharmacy. Um, no, I find that again. I find the pharmacy report to be very, very useful. And so, for the for the readers, um, for, I'm sorry, for the folks that are listening, um, what is the main f- focus of the pharmacy report from your perspective? Is it to is it to educate the executive suite, the C suite, or is it to provide more information to pharmacy leaders, or is it kind of a combination of both? It's a combination of both, although I would say our, our number one target audience would be the pharmacy leaders and the decision makers on the um, pharmacy side. And so people who would be, you know, um, in charge of the teams, in charge of the different, um, you know, the pharmacy line budget and drawing those things up and making decisions on, you know, where the health system strategy is going to be with pharmacy. Um, so we're really looking at those individuals. And obviously, as I mentioned, you know, we we do have upper level executives as well in mind. Um, I know they're subscribed to our e-newsletters and really um, keeping a close eye on some of those things and the trends that we report on so that they are informed as well when they go into discussions on how to best use their research. Yeah. And I obviously pharmacy is was noted as the one of the top five departments as that's important to a hospital's COVID recovery and some of the stuff you guys have done on revenue enhancement in the pharmacy has also been extremely helpful uh, as well. How do you see, Laura, how, how do you see Becker sort of not integrating, but syner- providing synergy to places like ASHP and their communications? And how do you see that synergy between professional like APHA and ASHP and sort of your organization and information that you provide, how do you see it? What synergies do you see there? Typically with the professional societies, you know, there's a lot of synergies for us in terms of information sharing. A lot of times if there are press releases or announcements that come out of the professional societies, we're able to include those in our coverage and see that, you know, the societies really as a great leadership, um, thought leadership for us and something that we want to share with our readers and our readership. I, I think you know, like I mentioned, it's it's um, top of mind for us to make sure that we're staying ahead of the curve on a lot of these trends. And so, you know, typically we like to have a relationship with those types of societies, at least in terms of being able to 
work with them on knowing what their membership is really interested in. And so we could then, you know, kind of develop coverage that would kind of hit their sweet spot as well, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I guess for the listeners on this podcast, the reason why I bring this up is it's really important for, for us to be connected to obviously our professional society, but also to organizations like Becker's because that synergy that they provide and reinforcing information that, you know, sometimes when you get information from a professional organization, uh, you may not pay attention to it like you should. And I think having some extra um, focus on it and actually combining the two sources of information, I think is really, really helpful uh, for the pharmacy leader. Uh, Laura, do you do you see any changes or growth in the pharmacy report or changes that might the audience might be interested in? Yeah, I think for our pharmacy report line, you know, we're always looking to grow some of these younger uh, lines and e-weeklies so that they come out more often per week, that we have more coverage there so that we're not just hitting, you know, the the top, top news in the industry, but also able to dive a little bit deeper and really be a go-to source for any type of news um, that's coming up within the industry. So we do see that as a growth area for us, both in terms of the electronic newsletters, as well as the traffic on the website. And then I will say in a related note um, that we are expanding to more broadly look at the life sciences um, as a, a topic for us and a, a line for us as well. We're launching our first life sciences virtual event in May, and that's not something that we had really covered apart from, you know, the just healthcare news in general. Sometimes we would cover relevant information, but really that's a, a new line for us, and that's been exciting for us to dig our teeth into and learn more about. And so I know that that some of those themes and topics within the life sciences are, are really um, related to pharmaceuticals as well. And so, you know, we're looking forward to seeing where that takes us. and um, building out life sciences as well. So how would, that's awesome. So how would uh, somebody get access to the email that the one I get uh, every week or every two, two, three times a week from Becker's? Well, how, how do folks sign up for those emails? Absolutely. So on the Becker's Hospital Review website, we definitely have a tab for our electronic newsletters um, with an option to just sign up. And if you put in your information, you can click on whichever newsletters that you'd like. And so you can have the main hospital review, which is just general hospital information, the most interesting news from across the hospital and healthcare industry for the day, as well as the um, pharmacy line, you know, you can have that specific newsletter come into your inbox. um, And it just takes one form to sign up on. Again, there's no cost to do that. And so, you know, we really just rely on being able to provide great information to our readership through, um, through those lines. And it's definitely provided value, as you mentioned. Yeah, and I'm going to ask a question that we actually didn't talk about in the in sort of our pre-session, but and if you're comfortable answering it would be great, but you know, you've seen a lot of changes in healthcare over the last 11 years in terms of the information that you guys have reviewed and and sort of so it, you probably have a trajectory in your mind of kind of what you see as kind of the changes in healthcare. So from Becker's perspective, your perspective, what do you see as changing in healthcare today that really wasn't changing maybe, I don't know, four or five years ago? Gosh, you know, that's a great question. I think by and large, what we're really seeing, honestly, is an acceleration of some of the trends that were beginning to be talked about four or five years ago. And so when you look at something like 
moving um, surgery outpatient, for example. I think oh, yes. <laughs> that was something that was, you know, talked about and said this is going to have to happen, but didn't really have the large type of movement or impetus for that until the pandemic. And, you know, now that seems to be very front and center and health systems that weren't necessarily on board with trying right. to find ambulatory sites or figure out a strategy there, you know, see that as a number one priority. Um, I think, you know, a couple of the other things that really come out for us as, as being accelerated trends, obviously, virtual care, telehealth, telemedicine. Right, um, right. Okay. And then the consumerism side of things, which I think mm -hmm. is really interesting um, because, you know, especially during this time, um, companies like uh, digital health companies, virtual care companies, retailers have really been able to reach a large um, swath of people to to provide them convenient care during the pandemic. And, you know, for, for people who are, um, especially the younger generations who are kind of low utilizers of healthcare, mm -hmm. I think that convenience really does make a difference um, and yeah. could be a big trend coming forward for whatever type of um, line within healthcare you're in, you know, everybody's just talking about how can I make the experience easier for people? How do I make sure that mm -hmm. we get um, healthcare or patients what they want as quickly as we can? So I think those trends, you know, where, whereas they were talked about four or five years ago, it wasn't an imperative like it is today. And it's very helpful to hear that, particularly given the, the strategic ways that pharmacy directors need to think so that, that you're describing about you know shifting to ambulatory care digital health all those things need to be strategic tactics that pharmacy leaders need to employ within their department so it's it's nice that you validated that it's nice that nice for our listeners to hear that uh, as well so you've had a, a very successful career so far and so what has been your secret to success and maybe some advice you can give our residents, trainees that are listening to this podcast. Absolutely. So I would say, you know, obviously not a finished product yet, but based on some of the, you know, best practices that I've had and, and some of the experiences that I've had throughout my career, I do have a few takeaways um, that have really helped me. I think, you know, my first thought is trying to figure out how to perform your best or give your best performance with less than your best stuff. Um, and this is something that I've, you know, really tried to think about and hone over the years, although I didn't have necessarily the language for it until recently. Um, I'm a big baseball fan. And so I was listening to an interview with the White Sox um, former pitcher and, and broadcaster, Steve Stone. And he said something about that, or he said that, you know, that's so important for pitchers is they have to figure out how to win with less than their best stuff because right, oftentimes right. they're going to the mound and, and they don't, might not have their, you know, a hundred mile per hour fastball or their best pitches just aren't clicking on that particular day, but they still have to figure out how to utilize the team around them. You know, the, the defenders, the fielders and um, pitch what they can and figure out how to win with the people around them, um, you know, even though they don't have their quote unquote best stuff. I think for me, you know, that has been helpful. Obviously, in an ideal world, I'd be able to come with, um, you know, my best stuff every single sure. day. But oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we, we've all, we all like that, right? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But at the end of the day, you know, we know there are some days where we just don't have the same energy. And I'm thinking especially right after my son was born, you know, I, I just didn't have um, the same type of energy that I had before. And so I had to right. figure out how to 
you know, still provide my best work and still do my best work, um, you know, with less than, than my best stuff there. And so I think that was a learning experience for me, but it, I still take a lot of those things to me. Uh, I, I still try to constantly every day think about how can I work smarter and, you know, do better with what I'm doing. And so I think that's been super, super kind of a helpful mindset for me. Um, I think the other thing that we typically talk about here at Becker's is um, kind of performing to the 212 concept or 212 degrees. And so that's the the temperature at which water boils. So if you're at 211, you're not quite there yet. But if you can get to 212, you know, you're, you're in a spot where you are at your water is boiling and you're doing well. And so we're oftentimes saying, you know, how can you get to your 212 today? How can you get from just pretty good to great um, in, in that, you know, what those concepts are and what we can do with the time that we have here um, during the workday at Becker's. And so I think that's, you know, kind of a, a guiding principle for us as well. Um, and then finally, my last thought is it might be a little bit silly, but I would recommend taking a theater class. Um, because, you know, when you are in a theater class or, or a, a class, they teach you how to harness energy that you have, um, yeah, and really, yeah. you know, figure out how to play that to the rest of the people in the room, figure out how to, um, play off of people in you know, the same scene that you have. They teach you how to think about motivation and objective of the other characters in the scene or the other people that are in a scene with you. Um, and I think you can really take some of those lessons that you learn, um, in, in working on. Uh, in in a theater class even, doesn't even have to be performing it, but just, you know, kind of thinking through a script, thinking through a scene and apply that to your teams or everyday situations that you're doing in the office to think about how, you know, you fit within the dynamic of a larger team and how to um, motivate and persuade people to your opinion if, if you're, um, you know, trying to persuade people of one thing or another. Um, and then it also helps you too when you're looking at public speaking or even in conversations with um, with team members, with clients, with anybody, you know, to have that confidence and come into um, a, a public speaking or a public, uh, you know, engagement experience and just be confident with it and harness the energy and know what you're doing. So, so those three points are excellent points, Laura, for, for the group, for the group, the folks that are listening. I'm generally a very shy person. And so I had to really learn. And I, but I also did as a kid, my parents uh, had us do community theater in the summer. And I was extremely shy as a kid, but then I, when I was, I acted in various plays, probably six or seven or eight plays, you know, through from like third grade up through high school. And my, my parents were really uh, into that and, and really, uh, I wouldn't say forced us, but that was one of the things we did in the summers as between our work. And it really did help me and it, it helped me in public speaking and not to be as shy. And so I think that that's very helpful. Uh, for people uh, to know. And so then finally, what are you reading and listening to that's inspiring you these days? Absolutely. So I think, uh, you know, obviously, I, um, to be self-promotional here, but the Becker's Healthcare Podcast, I do listen to the episodes that Scott does, as well as obviously Very good podcast. <laughs> promotion there. Um, but I am always inspired by the interviews that I do as well, by the leaders that I get to speak to. I just really think of it as a blessing to be able to talk to so many different people who have had um, such amazing career trajectories. Um, you know, a lot of them have really a lot of leaders have really fascinating backstories and um, 
you know, had just really, really interesting careers. And so it's always fun to talk to them. Um, and, and hopefully it's fun to listen to as well. Um, and then in terms yeah. of, yeah, in terms of um, some of the books that we've read at, at Becker's, one of my favorites is Super Bosses by Sidney Finkelstein. And basically it's, it's um, a book about how super bosses are different in terms of um, how they mentor people, how they communicate with their teams and what they do in order to um, to train up people who will then be superstars in their own right. Um, and it's really got examples and stories from all different industries, from the food industry to, um, you know, entertainment to all, you know, business and corporations and some of just the, the examples of people who are not only very successful in growing their businesses, but those who have grown others who are extremely, extremely successful in their own ventures. And so I think that's been, um, that was a, a really great read and, and really helped me think about leadership in a completely different way. Um, and then again, as a huge sports fan and a Chicago fan, one of my favorite reads as well has been Sacred Hoops by Phil Jackson. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. It was written um, in between the the um, two championship runs that the Bulls did in the 90s. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of ends with Phil Jackson or Michael Jordan leaving the Bulls and Phil Jackson saying, I'm not sure what the future holds. And so it's kind of funny to think back and know that you've still got so much success in front of you after he's talked about this. But, you know, he's got a great narrative style. And the book um, was really just interesting to think about how he approached each different person on his team and motivated them differently in order to be leaders on yeah. the court. So yeah. I, I think it's, it's was really instructive for me as somebody who um, likes to listen to stories and then apply that to my everyday life. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, Laura, it's been a, a been true pleasure to talk to you today and get your feedback on uh, Becker's, but also some of those, that advice you gave to our folks, our risk listeners will be invaluable to them. Uh, super bosses. I'll have to try to see if I can connect uh, with that book and uh, have a great day. Thanks for being on the show. Absolutely. Thank you, Dr. Weber. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Leadership Lessons in Health System Pharmacy. And if you found this interview helpful to your own professional development, please do us a favor and share the good news with your colleagues and leave us with a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast each and every week.